This CKNW podcast for AIM Medical Imaging, home of AIM Medical Imaging full body MRI scanning. A family history of medical issues is nothing to ignore. Book a preventative screening at aimmedicalimaging.com. You are live with Get Connected, Mike Agarbo with Andy Barrar. Got a fun show for you today. Later on, we'll be going open line, taking your tech calls and questions. We'll also be talking about the World Wide Web. It's 25 years old. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. 1989. Yeah. I was alive before the World Wide Web. You know what also was 25 years old? Just to give context. What? The Simpsons <laughs> uh, on TV. That's how old that TV show has been on. Yes. Since the beginning of the internet. That's good to know. It is. Interesting stuff in the uh, the news this week, uh, Andy. Uh, I talked to Jill Bennett a little bit about this earlier or this morning, mm-hmm. way earlier. Why do I have to do those at 6.30 in the morning. I ask if you want to do it. You always say yes. Oh, you know what? I'm going <laughs> to suck you into doing those. Uh, popcorn time. Yes. Talk about this. This is one of the coolest things uh, that we've seen in a long time. Basically, you know, everyone's accustomed to streaming online. But what this was using is it was streaming torrents. And torrents are those files that people use to download movies and TV shows online. But usually you have to download the entire file onto your computer before you can play it. What this technology was doing was pretty much creating a Netflix-like interface where you would see a movie and you'd say, oh, I want to play that. And it would stream it using the torrent files that are hosted on sites like the Pirate Bay. And this is pretty revolutionary. It's very disruptive. So much so... Very illegal. Yeah, and very illegal. Yeah. So it was was just a matter of time of us saying, how long is this going to be on? Like, I jumped on it right away. I'm like, I have to check this out because I know it's going to be shut down. And guess but it's, what? it's a beautiful interface. But it's shut down. Is it shut down? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I followed them on Twitter, and it was one tweet, and it was just, adios. Really? Yeah. That fast? That fast. Oh, my gosh. I think we heard about it on Tuesday. Yeah. And then so late last night, it shut down. Oh, that's so crazy. But the interface was gorgeous. Fantastic. It. And I love the fact that you could choose whether you wanted to stream in 720 or 1080p. Yeah. So you could – it looked like – like almost like a Blu-ray, you're watching a Blu-ray, and this was streaming quality. But of course, it is infringing on just about every copyright law you could imagine. Down already. But what was funny is the picture, the screenshot that they use are all these movies that are from like the 40s and 50s. Oh, when you are, look on the web. That to... are copyright free. Yeah. That anybody could do. But when you actually download it, you'll see like movies like 12 Years a Slave yeah. that you know obviously you're not supposed to be downloading on, on the internet. But you could stream it. And I tried it, and it was a fantastic quality. But it was, it was almost too good to be true. Yes. Uh, this was interesting. <laughs> Mark Zuckerberg phones Obama. So Mark Zuckerberg, he, he's the uh, founder of Facebook. Yes. He's had enough with uh, all the NSA stuff, the NSA, National Security Agency down in the U.S., spying on its citizens, had to phone Obama. Exactly. And I think I know why this happened is because there was recent revelations that the NSA was posing as Facebook to get people's information. And so I think that that was it. He had enough. He has he has beef with Obama, essentially. And he called him up and to vent his frustrations. But it looks like he said, well, nothing's really going to happen anytime soon. So we need to all get together and, and take charge. But it's kind of funny because the NSA is grabbing everyone's personal information and intercepting on their phone calls and emails 
Whereas Facebook is more voluntary where you sign up and give it away for free. So that's why he's mad because if people are scared to reveal information, that's going to hurt Facebook ultimately. Yeah. And that's why he was calling. I, I just find it funny. You know, I know we're obviously agreeing to Facebook completely invading our privacy, but it's kind of the pot calling the kettle black. Yes. Almost. It's like the cookie monster phoning the, the president <laughs> about locking down the cookie jars. I don't know. Exactly. He basically, his whole position is that, you know, you're you're freaking out my my customers on Facebook because he needs to sell all that information to advertisers. And he's trying to grow Facebook and reach just about every human on earth, anyone that's on the Internet. And with this, and everyone's getting afraid about what's going on with the NSA. And uh, obviously, he has a, a, an internal stake with it, and that's why he's trying to vent his frustrations. But I don't think a phone call, Mike, is going to – a phone call to the president of the United States is going to be like, oh, okay, my bad. Sorry. Sorry, Zuckerberg. What, 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 what do you want me to do? <laughs> so we've been, um, we've been filming some of our uh, TV show segments this week uh, over at my house because we're showing some Get Connected – not Get Connected, Connected Home stuff. Uh, some interesting gadgets that we're looking at. Um, an egg tray, That's a right. connected egg tray. So you you put your eggs in this tray, and it uh, it actually connects with your home Wi-Fi network and your smartphone, and it will tell you when you're running low on eggs, because obviously you couldn't just look in the fridge and see that, uh, <laughs> and how fresh they are. It, it actually tells you what egg to pick, like the oldest egg. So it will light. It has a little light on it. So it says pick this one, and like you said, you could be at the grocery store and you'll be like. Oh, do I need some, any any eggs? And you can just open up this app, and it will show you how many eggs you have inside this egg tray, so that you could fill it up. But it, it's not just a dozen; it's actually a baker's dozen plus one, which is fourteen eggs. So they give you two extra eggs to work with if you're buying a baker's dozen plus one. Yes, a baker's dozen. I googled this; it's thirteen. Well, no, I I know that, but and what? then plus one. I don't know. Okay, that's why they decided fourteen. What eggs. did you think of this thing? It's kind of goofy, but the reason we wanted to put it on the show is that we talk about the connected home and all these like devices that you would never think about being connected to the internet. This is one of them. This is it's kind of ridiculous, but it kind of shows what's going to happen in the coming years. We've already heard about smart toothbrushes that are going to be studying, you know, how much time you're spending brushing your teeth and what areas you're missing and you can get feedback reports on your smartphone. So this is a very interesting year. By the end of this year, we're going to see a lot of these connected home gadgets and i think for the tv show every season now we'll probably be doing another installment of new gadgets it's not just fridges and appliances but it's these things like the egg trays like egg trays and how much is it it's about uh fifty dollars and it's only fifty dollars yes so that i don't have to look in my fridge (laughs) to see that i'm out of eggs well the funny thing that we were talking about is that we eat a lot of eggs so you always can buy eggs yeah and you know that you're not gonna you know, they're going to go bad or anything like that. Have you that. ever had eggs go bad? No. No. So is this solving a problem that doesn't exist? Essentially. But it was from that website, Quirky, yeah. which is a website where if you have a great idea, you just have to post it there. And they have a community. If the community votes that they like it, Quirky has a team of designers be like, okay, we'll design your idea. So you can be an inventor without actually having to invent the product. You have someone else invent it, and you get to have some of the revenue share. I checked <laughs> I checked in to see how much this guy's made on it. Yeah. Since it's been out, I think in early this year, he's made thirteen thousand dollars. 
So that's not bad. Not bad for someone who had an, an idea. For an but his, but his picture's on this product, so he's going to go down in history as the guy who invented the smart egg tray. Well, maybe he's got some other ideas up his sleeve. I hope so. I hope so. Maybe a smart uh, jug of milk or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have to take a break. When we come back, we'll be talking with Brian Jackson. He's the editor over at IT Business about the World Wide Web's 25th birthday. Where were you when it was invented? You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You're back with Get Connected. Mike and Andy here. Don't forget, later on, we'll be going open line, taking any of your tech calls and questions. We'll be your on-air tech support. Right now, we want to talk about the Internet and the World Wide Web. On the line, we have Brian Jackson. He's the editor of IT Business. How are you doing, Brian? I'm great. I still have the balloons out, uh, you know, celebrating the web's 25th anniversary. So uh, let's let's uh, give our listeners the rundown. When was the World Wide Web invented, exactly? Sure. Uh, Tim Berners-Lee invented the World Wide Web back in 1989. He was working at CERN, which is the Swiss-based uh, particle physics laboratory. Maybe you've heard of it more recently for that Large Hadron Collider. And, uh, yeah, he was just looking for a way to make it easier for researchers to not only do research while at CERN, but when they then went back to their own universities and laboratories around the world, he wanted them to be able to connect and still share the resources and collaborate with the people that were at CERN uh, doing research. So he came up with uh, the web to, and hypertext as a way that they could do that. I hear when he first basically came out with it. It was kind of an unsolicited proposal. That's right. He, he just did it on his own, which is so great for, you know, the whole spirit of the World Wide Web, which is this open technology and allows anybody to contribute, publish anything they want, create new technology based on these open source uh, code. And uh, Tim Berners-Lee just wrote up a research paper. He dropped it on his, his boss's desk and uh, he sort of begrudgingly approved it. Uh, he wasn't too excited about it, but he did give him the go-ahead. And uh, it took a couple of years before people really started to understand its value. What was the Internet like before then? Yeah, before the World Wide Web, which is the application that we really all think about uh, the Internet, uh, you know, that's when you open up your web browser, of course, you're thinking about going online and looking over web pages. Before that, it was more uh, limited to specific business use cases, command and control type of servers, uh, that sort of thing. It just is not as accessible to the average person. There were some other competitors, though, to the World Wide Web in the early days. Uh, Gopher from, I think, the University of Minnesota was one of them. Yeah, sure. There were other systems devised to uh, connect computers together and, you know, get people the information they needed from other places. But what it didn't do uh, and what Tim Berners-Lee was able to just, he developed something called hypertext markup. And it was able to link together documents based on uh, semantic connections. So if you're reading a research paper and then you see a word and, or a topic that you want to explore more, it's as easy as clicking on a link. And it just made sense for the average person to be able to move their mouse around the screen and uh, simply follow the links. And it just found that right sort of balance where uh, the average person to be able to make a lot of use out of it. 
I think one of the biggest differences were, like Mike, you mentioned, there were competitors, but those were like walled gardens where you have to actually pay to be in there. What was interesting about what his system was, where it was free, it would work on any operating system as well. And a concept like a hyperlink, you know, somebody had to invent that, and he did. And it's funny that a lot of those protocols that he had made back in 1989 we're still using today. So we owe so much to, he's really the father of the World Wide Web. Yeah, it's amazing to think uh, he could have uh, charged a royalty for it and probably made out as a billionaire. Uh, you know, he would have been one of the richest people in the world. But uh, certainly then, the technology wouldn't have been as widely adopted and wouldn't have accelerated uh, to the at the pace that we've seen it. And now uh, the web is really the dominant form of the Internet. Well, you know, we're talking about how it is an open environment. You know, we saw other competitors in those early days. Gopher was one of them. Uh, you know, things like CompuServe was kind of its own little entity upon itself. But uh, I think we've seen time and time again when you have these open systems or open source or open environments, uh, they they tend to flourish as opposed to these kind of walled gardens. Yeah, exactly. Although you, you, we've seen that uh, some corporations have succeeded quite tremendously with uh, some walled garden approaches. I mean, when you think about it, Facebook is really just a web with uh, some some walls up, right? Because you go on Facebook and you navigate to your friends' pages. You could go and see some business pages. Maybe you're installing some apps. And it's uh, it's a walled garden in the way that, you know, it only allows in certain application that it approves and it has a certain set of rules that you have to follow even to have an account in terms of service that you agree to. Uh, whereas the World Wide Web, you know, anybody can upload a web page or do whatever they want because there's no one entity that's overseeing it all. It's so funny because I remember in the early days, I, I used to work at uh, Doppler Computers here in Vancouver, and we were just like seeing this World Wide Web develop, and people were just, you know, coming into the store like, how do I get on the Internet, the yeah. World Wide Web? And back then, it wasn't an easy thing to do. No. You know, uh, there were internet service providers around. You could get, like, a disk from them. You had to load a bunch of different programs uh, in, uh, you know, Winsock and, you know, a dialer and, you know, a browser uh, as well. We actually used to do um, uh, seminars. Mm -hmm. Like, I remember the first seminar, like, how to get on the internet. You know, I took out a full-page ad in the Vancouver Sun, and, uh, you know, people could pay, I think, something stupid, like 10 bucks or something to come down. Um we had thousands of people. Yes. Like, we oversold it. I and, remember. And there was just, like, it was crazy. And then we, you know, sold out Science World. Like, people were just so excited back then to get on the Internet and to see what it was all uh, about. But, you know, it really wasn't until 1993 and after that, uh, you know, the World Wide Web really started to uh, roll along. Yeah, and it's funny. I remember those days because everyone was like, it's the information superhighway. And, <laughs> and we're going to have things called email, and it's going to save us so much time because yeah. you don't have to mail somebody a letter. And we thought email is going to just give us so much free time. And you look now, 25 years later, we're just trying to get through our inboxes now. It almost like grew so fast. And Brian, one interesting thing is, you know, we hit 25, and now everyone's wondering, what's the next 25 years going to look like? And Tim Berners-Lee's been really talking about this a lot because of, like, what with the allegations that are happening with the NSA right now. He still wants to keep that Internet free and open for everybody. Yeah, it's interesting. We talked about how he created that in the Internet with these principles and really pushed for it to be an open, royalty-free technology. And we've seen the sort of great innovation that that's led to today. But he points to what Edward Snowden is saying about 
the NSA and government surveillance. And not only that, but uh, other threats like these government discussions that are happening in the United States around, um, you know, changing how net neutrality works and favoring one type of traffic or the web traffic that comes from one corporation's site over another, which is totally against what we've had up until this point and might make it a lot harder for people to feel like they can use the Internet freely and then when they are using the Internet, being able to access whatever data they want from whatever person they want without having any extra barriers in between them and the information. I think that could really stifle innovation. Like yeah. I think the one thing that the World Wide Web has done is like offer this opportunity to all these people, these developers, these dreamers to come up with these ideas like the Facebooks and what have you of the world, uh, the Netflix uh, you know, services like if you start kind of tearing, yeah, if you start tearing or hunkering down or walling things off, uh, that that would make it a, a much different place. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if I, as a consumer, have a choice between uh, downloading something from a, like a corporation where that total that download is not going to count against my monthly data limit, uh, versus like some sort of independent creator that might offer a competitive service where I know I'd have to pay extra or would count against my download total for the month for my ISP, you know, which one am I more likely to be able to to choose there? Uh, so it does create uh, an advantage for established players. Brian, I want to thank you for joining us on the show today. Where can people find out more information about IT business? Well, it's as simple as logging into our website, itbusiness.ca. That was Brian Jackson, editor of IT Business. We're going to open up the phone lines now, taking any tech call or question. We want to hear from you. If you need some tech support, we can do it. If you need some buying advice on uh, the gear to get, uh, we've got some great ideas. Or tell us your first Internet experiences back in the uh, mid-'90s. <laughs> That's That'd crazy. be interesting. 604-280-9898. You're phoning long distance. It's 1-877-399-9898. You are listening to Get Connected, brought to you by our friends at London Drugs here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. Mike Agarbo with Andy Brar. We're going open line now, taking your tech calls and questions, 604-280-9898. If you're phoning long distance, we've got a toll-free number. It's 1-877-399-9898. Jump here to Mary. How are you, Mary? Oh, hi. It's good to hear you. Um, I'm 70 and not savvy in tech, and I decided to call the gods of savvy in tech like you guys <laughs> because I'm really getting so many different answers, and it's such a dinky question. Yeah. Um, I'm, I had a fire. I lost my TV. I'm in the market for, and I don't, you know, I don't have a whole lot of money now that the fire wiped me out. But anyway, I've been looking around, and uh, I see it's like a, a 37-inch that's, I want to know the difference between 1080p. Is that for megapixels? For like? Yeah, it refers to the resolution, like how many lines of resolution are on the screen, and you'll see 720 or, or 1080. Right. Now, is there a big difference? Because I see um, somebody told me they, don't, they usually make everything 40 and under in 720, and it didn't matter. It's what's coming out of the cable TV business, and, and I'm getting so confused. And today in the flyer, I love London Drugs, by the way. Yeah. Um, Anyway, but in the flyer, I see, like, there's a 39 that says 1080. Yeah. And there's, I even saw 32 that says 1080, but then 
the one I was looking at was a 37, um, and it's a 7, what is it, 20 or? 720, yeah. yeah. You know, I, I think under 40 inches, it's not going to make a huge difference, really. Um, if you can find a good deal on a 720p version television, uh, you'd be super happy. Like, it's still high definition. It's beautiful. And, and again, at that size, it's not going to make a huge difference between 720 and 1080. That's exactly it. The bigger the TV you have, the more resolution you're going to want to have to get a better image. When you're, when you're talking about that size, uh, 720 is just going to look just fine. Yeah. Unless you're really like a purist person that has to have it. Yeah, if you're like a tech nerd. I- exactly. Or you know, a, a video perfectionist. Like I watch a lot of videos in 720p and it's fine for me. Oh, you it's know. glorious. It's just only when you have it maybe side by side, you, you would be like, oh, I prefer this one. Yeah. Otherwise, you're going to be really fine. So it really comes down to the price yes. and finding something that's the right size and price that you're looking for that works in your budget. And, you know, definitely head down to London Drugs. They have all of them. You can see it. Yeah. You can talk to those guys and they're, they'll help you figure out where you want it in your room and what TV you should buy. Yeah, and just remember, uh, again, you'll never even notice the difference unless you have, like, TV side-by-side side in your house. You know what I mean? Like, once you get that TV in your living room, yeah. it's gold. For the most part, you just want to look at the controller, make sure you can access it. It's, yeah, you're it's, comfy it, with it's it. It's user-friendly. Then you'll be happy with it regardless. So good question, fantastic question. I think anything under 40 inches, uh, I don't think it's a, a – in my opinion, it's a huge difference. Yeah. Some might disagree, but – I don't think you'll notice a huge difference. We're uh, talking with Lynn. How are you, Lynn? I'm fine, thank you. What can we do for you? Um, I was listening last week. I'm similar to Mary, <laughs> not too uh, savvy, but I was listening last week, and you explained about the wireless range extender. Yeah. So I went out and bought one, and I plugged it in, and what I'm getting is uh, occasionally a flashing green, but mostly flashing yellow. Oh. So have I... Have I not got it in the right spot, or have I... Wait. Does it seem to be working? You... Well... It's hard to tell. It's hard to tell. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I, I thought it was to get a solid green. Yeah. Uh, you, you should be. What uh, brand is it? It's a D-Link. A D-Link. Any yeah. thoughts there, Andy? Uh, what, and what kind of router are you using right now? A uh, Linksys. A Linksys. Okay. So the way that the range extenders work is you basically have to find the room that you're looking to to increase the range to. Yes. Then you have to place the range extender halfway between where your router is and that room. So not, you, not in that room. Not in that room. Because you're, you are, you're already not getting a good signal there. Exactly. So, so this you, range extender is going to get a crappy signal there as well. If, it, if, you put, if you're putting it in the room that you want, yes. It has to be pretty much in the middle between the room that has no Wi-Fi yeah. and where your router is. Because right beside your router, you're going to have the strongest signal. What happens is it pretty much is, it acts as a repeater. So it takes that signal and then it pushes it over to the other side. Um, for a lot of people, that's what you need. The other route you could do is what we always talk about is power line. And that's if you're trying to get inside a room. It will use your electrical grid in your house to bring that Wi-Fi there. And you could always hook up another modem, create what's called an access point, and have a separate Wi-Fi um, signal in that room. But uh, as long as you do it about 50%, that's when you're going to see the range extender working at its best because it still needs a decent signal from your router to amplify that and push it into another room. Yeah, and, and you might just try it in a few different areas as well. You've got to keep in mind that Wi-Fi signals degrade through 
you know, ceilings through uh, walls. Yeah. So uh, if you're finding that you're not getting that green signal on there, try it in a little bit different area. Uh, I found, you know, stairwells and stairways, uh, they're a huge block as well. So try to keep it out of that, that range. Exactly. Uh, it's funny because a lot of people have that problem when they buy the range extenders. They don't know where to put it. Yeah. Netgear, actually, when they came out with their newest line of range extenders, it has arrows on there. So when you plug it in, it'll tell you, go left more, go right more. Oh, really? To eh? find the optimal spot where it gets the good Wi-Fi signal. I haven't signal. tried the Netgear ones yet. They're good, eh? Yeah. yeah. So you know, definitely keep trying into different rooms uh, between where your dead zone is and where your router is. Yeah. And you should find an area where you'll get that green light. And then that, again, will amplify the signal to the, yes. the other areas. We're going to have to take another quick break. When we come back, we'll take more of your calls. Again, 604-280-9898. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs, here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. With Get Connected, Mike Agarbo here with Andy Berard. We've opened up the phone lines here, taking your tech calls and questions, 604-280-9898. If you're phoning long distance, 1-877-399-9898. Going to jump here to Malcolm. Hey, Malcolm. Good morning, guys. Thank you for taking my call. I just want to ask you about lithium-ion graphene batteries in BlackBerry. And what about it? Uh, what do you think of them? What do you, what do you think of the new, new batteries that are, that are coming out with the, with the graphene-based uh, what do you think? Will they last longer? Will they last less? Yeah, it's a good question. Thoughts, Andy? I think, you know, when it comes to lithium-ion batteries, and this is what we'll, we'll see in a lot of uh, smartphones and electronic devices, the, the problem with them, from my understanding, is that they have a certain amount of charge cycles. So each time you charge it, it slowly kind of goes down on a curve in terms of its ability to hold that charge. So a lot of people, you know, after about a year or two of having a smartphone, realize that, they just don't have as much power throughout the day as, as they did when they first bought it. And that's just inherent in that technology. The one that you're speaking of for BlackBerry, I haven't really heard of it, but uh, I'll have to look into it. My, um, Mike, my brother actually worked in the whole lithium-ion battery space. He was actually working for a company that was trying to make a, a fuel cell battery for smartphones. Okay. And, and what you do is instead of charging it like traditionally with you plug it in and you wait – it was almost like you docked it into a device and it would just charge it in like almost kind of like a spray, like if you were trying to refill a, a lighter. It did it that. So it was instantaneous charge. And what it did is because it was lithium ion, it was – or I'm sorry, because it was a, high, uh, a fuel cell, it was emitting vapors, water vapors as a byproduct of it because it was used basically splitting uh, oxygen and, and water to, to power it. And it was a cool concept. He had a prototype and he was showing me, but they couldn't get it. It wasn't stable enough, so there was that technology never actually hit the market. But it was a cool thing because that's what we need in smartphones right now are better batteries. Well, that's what's holding a lot of technology back is just the the power to it. Uh, obviously, our smartphones are these mini computers with huge screens, and you know, uh, mine is dead at the end of the day because exactly. I'm just using it all the time. Uh, it's interesting. I was reading the story about Elon Musk. He's the uh, the founder of Tesla car company. Mm -hmm. You know, the all electric car. Um, he's looking to actually raise money and build a giant uh, battery plant in the U.S., a lithium-ion battery plant, so they can actually mass-produce batteries for his cars. The technology is there. It's just not at that scale where the price can go down. Yeah, but what he's trying to do is to scale it up. If, uh, if he can make it happen, he'll be the biggest 
battery manufacturer in the world. Yeah. And they'll be able to scale the amount of cars that they're building. Because right now, I think uh, they can only make tens of thousands of cars, uh, of these electric cars, because they just can't get enough batteries. Yeah. And so if he can get this across the finish line, they can start producing hundreds of thousands of cars. And that will be a game changer in the, the whole electric car and car world. Well, essentially what we're looking, what we need is a battery that can hold the charge that's small and light. Those are the kind of the three things. And you, only when you invest into you know, a big industrial plant will you get something like that. Uh, but that's kind of the direction we're going in. And there's definitely a need. If there's a company that can revolutionize the battery industry, they'll make a lot of money. We've got Bob on the line. Hey, Bob. Oh, good morning. Good morning. Uh, I have a question for you with regard to software. I recently purchased uh, the Surface Pro. Yep. And I, I'm looking, and it doesn't have Office on board, I was to, to discover. Anyway, I'm looking for a compatible um, software that I can get for Word and particularly Excel. Andy. I think the, the best way to go is Microsoft's new offering, Office 365. What they basically did was take the entire Office suite and put it up into the cloud and made it a subscription-based service. So you could pay monthly or annually. I think it costs about $100 a year. And the benefit of having everything in the cloud is that you never have to upgrade your software. It's going to automatically update. But you still, it physically feels like the traditional Office suite except for the fact that everything is kind of working with the cloud. Adobe has done this as well with their creative suite, where they allow designers and graphic designers and video editors the ability to have the entire Adobe suite, everything from Premiere to uh, Photoshop. You can have basically all that for $50 a month as a subscription fee. And what they've seen is a lot of people aren't pirating software anymore because of the benefits of having what's called SaaS, software as a service. And they're willing to pay for that convenience. So something you definitely want to look for is Office 365. And it works really well with the Surface Pro because it's all within the Microsoft hardware and software ecosystem. Uh, you know, there's alternatives out there. You can go uh, online and use things like Google Docs. I don't know how uh, great Google Docs is with, like, Excel. I know there's some compatibility there. Well, the good thing about Google Docs is it's free. It's cloud-based. Yeah. And you can save it. Say you're using Excel. If you use the Google Doc, Google Drive, sorry, um, spreadsheet, you yeah. can save it as an Excel, and it will work. Or you can open up Excel documents as well. Yeah. That's a, a free thing. A lot of people. Have if you're doing that. complicated Excel spreadsheets, then I would be a little wary. And of course, there are other ones, free ones like QuickOffice. Yeah. That's another one you could look into. But um, if you want to stay within the Microsoft thing or the ecosystem, stick with the uh, 365. We're going to have to take a break, but we'll take more calls when we come back. Again, the phone line, 604-280-9898. And if you're phoning long distance anywhere in Canada, 1-877-399-9898. So you're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs, here on the Chorus Radio Network, back after this. Mike and Andy back here for Get Connected. What's the contest? we got a fabulous contest this week, Mike. We're giving away the Lucci Aura. This is a solar lamp. And what's beautiful about this is that it just uses solar power and it can provide you with up to seven hours of light using this lamp. You, you have to go to our website to check it out. It's really hard to explain, but it's one of the coolest things we've come across this year. Head to our website, www.getconnectedmedia.com and hit on the contest tab to enter and win. And be sure to look at the other contests as well because a lot are still open and you can enter while you're on our site. That's getconnectedmedia.com. 
going to jump here to the phone lines again. We've got Jane on the line. Hey, Jane. Hi. Hi. Um, first of all, I just switched to Max. Yeah. Um, after you know, PCs forever. Yeah. Um, absolutely love them. And we also went to the Office 365. I'm loving it. So oh, cool. It's a good product. Yeah. My question is, um, when um, I want to plug into my Ethernet connection on yes. my MacBook Air, yeah. I only have one Thunderbolt port, mm-hmm. but I also use that for my external display. Yeah. I see they also sell an um, adapter for using the USB port with the Ethernet. Yeah, that's what I use on my MacBook Air. Works oh, like, it works, works fine? Works like a charm. That was all I needed to know, and I knew you'd have the answer. <laughs> Easy peasy. <laughs> Lemon squeezy. Thank you yeah. very much. Thank you. Yeah, I, um, I use a MacBook Air. Yeah. Uh, I love it. The things are so incredibly thin. And I went to this smaller one, the 11-inch, mm-hmm. and I was worried at first because, you know, my eyes aren't, you know, they're getting older, yeah. and it's a small screen. But I love it. It's perfect. You can just take that thing anywhere. Mm-hmm. But like you said, because it's so thin, you don't have that Ethernet port. Another route you can do is, and I've just came across these the other day, is travel routers. And they have these travel routers that you can hook USB, and they actually act like a home router, and it's perfect for small businesses, but it also has an Ethernet port on the end. So you could go directly in and get the, that speed if you didn't want to use Wi-Fi. Yeah. So it's kind of the best of both worlds. You get that convenience, but then you get these accessories to add whenever you require that you know dedicated Ethernet line. You're still using a, a big laptop. Yeah, I'm using a big one because, like, you know, I... I that Use thing is my, huge. I actually lifted it up in the break there. Like, I almost hurt myself. Well, it's funny because I went the other route where I was like, I need a laptop, but it has to be a power horse. Because, like I said, I, I use it for studio production. For oh, mu- that's right. Music yeah. production. Yeah. So inside this has like 16 gigs. It's, it's uh, packing a lot of processing power just to be able to handle that. It's like an entire recording studio inside the laptop. And I can check my emails on it as well. So <laughs> <laughs> I can fit I can fit like three MacBook Airs in that thing. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, it's a it's a tank. We um, got that new X Arcade into the uh, into the studio. That's right. If you're into uh, old time uh, con- uh, arcade gaming, like Pac Man and Donkey Kong, this is like a I can't, how do you explain this thing? Well, they call it the TV arcade, and it's basically you walk up to it and it has a joystick, but two it's, joysticks, two joysticks. Yeah, but Instead of you know having a dedicated screen like a traditional arcade would, you use your your existing TV in your house. Yeah. So what we did is in our studio we have an eighty inch sharp television. Yes. And we put this right up in front. It was funny because we had an intern come in and he was about eighteen years old and his first job was okay you got to set this up, and he had a grin on his face. He was so happy to hook this up, and he's only eighteen, so he's looking at these, some of these games on. Oh there. yeah, he doesn't even know what these games are. <laughs> he didn't know. He's like, you know what Galaga is? No. <laughs> Yeah. Donkey Kong? No. <laughs> so his he, that was his first introduction to 80s arcade games, but it's a fabulous thing, and we're going to be filming a segment for it for, on the TV show. But we did one last year. Yes. On the full That looks side. like an arcade cabinet, right? Yeah. Yeah. So this one's different. Like, you're able to use your actual high-definition TV. And it has oh. LED lights in it. Yeah. It looks like I mean, a, this thing's not small. Don't get me wrong. No, and you it's not cheap. You can actually cheap. check it out at uh, xarcade.com, you know, yeah. like the letter xarcade.com, and it's not cheap. How much is it? Uh, it's about $2,500. Oh, is that all? That's it, yeah. Oh, but this thing is like, oh, it is like the best thing ever. I know. I, I was playing Dig Dug on that thing for hours. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty addictive too. The contest one more time, Andy. We're giving away a Luchi Aura solar lamp. This is an inflatable lantern, essentially, that you can take with you anywhere. Charges from the sun, and it will give you up to five to seven hours of light. 
perfect to take when you're on a camping trip and uh, you don't have any light at night. This thing works. And it works. I've been using it a lot and testing it out. It's yeah. fabulous. It's it's so simple but so cool. Yeah. Got to go to our website, www.getconnectedmedia.com. Hit on the contest tab to enter and win the Lucci Aura Solar Lamp. Do we have some other contests going as well? Yeah, we do have some from last week. Uh, the Lojax contest to protect your laptop. That one, I believe, is still open. So you'll want to enter that while you're there as well. Don't forget to hit our website on a regular basis, getconnectedmedia.com. Not only do we have the contest, uh, but we also have all our uh, TV segments up there as well. So if you want to learn about uh, the latest in technology, gadgets and gear, we uh, have that up there on a weekly basis. And a lot of uh, how-tos and uh, tips and tricks as well to get the most out of your your tablets, smartphones, and uh, computers and laptops uh, as well. want to thank uh, all the folks that helped put the show together, including Annie Brar, my co-host and producer, our sponsors, London Drugs, and uh, also Chad on the controls as well. He's the man. That's all the time we have left for this week. Mike and Andy logging off for Get Connected.